The Deputy Prime Minister of Australia, Barnaby Joyce, and the uh, CLP candidate for the Senate at the uh, upcoming federal election, Jacinda Price. Welcome to Karma. Thank you very much for letting us in your studio. I appreciate that. It's great to be back here in what feels like my old home. The last few days of the federal election, the Prime Minister's in Darwin this morning. You're here in the centre. There's obviously some significance uh, to these two territory seats, uh, Solomon and Lingiari. Um, as far as the federal election, questionable how the government's going to go. I mean, you yourself, how do you see? What's your feeling? Well, you always respect voters and they, they'll keep their cards close to their chest. People don't walk in and tell you how they vote. They just, you know, it's their private business. And, uh, you know, I've, I want to see it once with a 23% margin. So saying that you can't win them or lose them in today's day is wrong. And I'll wait till election night and then I'll tell you how we went. And uh, the last election, so many people told us all the polls and this and that and, you know, who was going to win and they didn't. You know, so the destiny of the nation is determined by the privacy of the vote in a democracy and, and those people have that right and I won't prejudge it and I won't try and guess it. I'll let them make their own decision and, and isn't it great that we live in a democracy where you can do that? Yeah. Both major political parties have shown uh, a renewed interest in uh, the North, developing the North. I know you're a great believer in that. Yep. But what uh, what are you projecting for the Northern Territory if you win government? I mean, it's a, a crucial stage now when we look at the what's happening nationally. But um, going forward, I mean, I know the Coalition is very keen to progress the Beedaloo Basin. Uh, there's still a great deal of opposition to that. Mm -hmm. uh, but again... As far as the territory economy going forward, what's on the horizon? Well, what I'm trying to do with my nationals colleagues, and I'm looking forward to Jacinda coming down, is you know, we bargained a position so that we could make our nation as strong as possible, as quickly as possible, which the Northern Territory is vitally important in. Now, we don't have the Pilbara. You know, we invested there because of our iron ore exports and in Townsville because of the water resources. And in Gladstone, because so much of our wealth gets exported through that port and, and Newcastle down the Hunter and Bundaberg. But the Northern Territory is special because there's so much potential, so much potential. And you think of what the gas industry's done for Darwin already with Impex and the wealth it's brought in and growing that city and critical minerals down here. So that's why even the logistics hub here, $160 million in the logistics hub and then Catherine as well, and then we'll go, with, which is even bigger, Catherine and Tennant Creek, in the investment here, investing billions of dollars into here. Uh, because it's not because so much we want to win the seat. We do, obviously. But we, we want to make our nation stronger, and the Northern Territory is so vitally important for that because in, in the Darwin's closer to Jakarta than it is to Canberra. And, yeah. and, and why, why has it taken so long, though, for governments to come on board? Uh, well, I've been fighting for this for ages. I remember standing at the back of the parliament uh, when I was, you know, uh, when I was on the back bench, and I didn't speak much, but I stood up one day and said, um, if you move legislation to get rid of the seat of Lingiari, I'll be crossing the floor. And that's basically where it stopped because they knew they didn't have the numbers. Uh, and so it's so this is a, a long run-up, not something that was that was thought mm. of just just recently. And we got a slither of chance, and we got we. We made sure that we negotiated so that we've got a substantial, uh, we can bring about substantial change. So if you, if you seal the, we are sealing the outback way, about a billion dollars in that. So you can drive from Townsville through to Perth on a sealed road, bringing tourists in, taking critical minerals and cattle out, 
making the area stronger. And a seal on the Tanami Road. So you go from here up to Halls Creek on Sealed Road. Same thing. Going going northeast to southwest, going southeast to northwest, and going north to the south through through Alice Springs. That's my goal. That's what we want. Uh, now, also on that, making sure we help those kids, give them some formation, uh, the investment in Yipiringa. So um, it's just which uh, uh, is so important that those kids get a chance to get some meals, to get a bed, to get security, get safety, get opportunity. Now, it's, it's not a grand Alexa. It's not the, the great mag- wave the magic wand, but it's a small step and a long process of trying to increase the strength of the social fabric, which sometimes is you see the problems in the law and order issues in places such as Alice or Catherine or Maury. Or Walgett, you know, it's not. There's nothing unique, and so this is this is important. And because I come from a, a regional area and grew up in a regional area, and you know, growing up in Danglemar and living in Charleville and St George and Moree, Wares Creek, I, I don't have perfect knowledge, but I've got a little bit more knowledge than a lot of others. Jacinta, again, uh, Aboriginal people in this election, there hasn't been a great deal said. Not the same emphasis that it has been in in, in other years. Now. Um, if you are successful improving the lot of the mob, not only in the territory, Australia-wide, it's a, a long-running issue. I mean, we've seen governments come and go. Mm. We've seen prime ministers come and go. There's been Band-Aid solutions here and there. But when we look at the wealth that this country is generating, mm. surely it can't be that hard to have a commitment by whoever's in government to make a real difference. Well, you know what? The reason that I've run, uh, I've, I've fought hard and I'm wanting to ensure that I become a representative in federal parliament is because it is about that wealth. And for a long time, Aboriginal Australians have, it's been pushed upon them that they simply rely on government handouts, that they're supposed to be dependent on government Whereas I believe that Aboriginal people should have the same opportunity at an education and to generate wealth for themselves, which is the reason why I'm running and I think is the reason why things haven't changed for so long because there's just been an emphasis on a dependency, on on handouts of money all the time. And we know that that doesn't work. What works is when all Australians, no matter who they are, have a job, are sending their kids to school, have homes that are safe um, and and can stand on their own two feet. And that, to me, is real empowerment. When you're not dependent on government, when you're not dependent on an organisation, when you can stand solidly on your own two feet, proudly, knowing that you've worked hard to make your own money, um, pay your bills and support your children. And that is what I think has been missing for a long time. Um, and that's what I want to be able to change going forward, you know, mm. instead of a separation of Aboriginal people, Indigenous Australians, the, you know, Yapa people that I've grown up with, it's always been the understanding. We're all the same. We're all the same in this country. I went in Rabunja, you know, he said that any kids born in Alice Springs, they, they got Yipper in your dreaming. Doesn't matter if they're black, white, whatever. And that to me is what, how we need to start thinking in this country. No more separation. We all belong here. If you are conceived in this country, if you're born here, your baby spirit comes from this country. 
and doesn't matter what your background is. And I think there's too much, too much um, in society. There's too much separation. There's too much ideology. There's too much hate going around. We need to start loving one another. That's what we need to start doing. Mm. And as far as I'm concerned, if there's somebody that's that's working hard, um, they've got the right formula for their life. They share that formula with other people who are struggling. That's when we start to see the sorts of changes. And I mean, today it was a big deal for me because I worked. <laughs> I'm going to get emotional <laughs> because you know it's the kids are the future, and being able to provide for these kids in this community at Yipperinya. You know, making mm. sure that they've got a bed so that they're not on the street at night. That's the opportunities that I want to bring and I want to keep fighting for. Yeah. And and I'm just, I'm so grateful that Barnaby has fought for us, for that, for that opportunity, because it begins with education. Um, you know, the, the, the principal there at Yipperinia is working hard with all the staff there. Those staff have been there for a long time mm. and they need to feel like, that hard work that they've put in is is paying off too. That they can be strengthened to do their job, to look after those kids. Because some of those kids we know, they come from really difficult situations and they need, they're some of our most vulnerable kids and they need the protection and, and the opportunity like any other Australian kid in this country. So being able to provide $8.3 million for them so they can build the facilities, staff accommodation, student accommodation so that they're safe at night and can go to school and their focus is their education. That's where it all comes from. You know, that's that's yeah. that's why I'm running. Great. <laughs> Barnaby, very quickly, uh, constitutional recognition, the voice to parliament. Again, it's a long-running issue for both governments, but... Uh, Jacinda was talking about Aboriginal people being a part of the economy. What about Aboriginal people being at the table where those big decisions are made? Yeah, well, look, um, I got what's really important is we get um, Aboriginal people into the Senate and one of the most powerful chambers in Australia, and that's what we're doing with Jacinda. I can tell you right now, she's going to be one of 76 senators. She has immense power and great capacity to change People know she's coming. It's it's like a it's like a big cloud, big storm cloud coming. We know it's going to be thunder and lightning, and all <laughs> things exciting when she gets down there. And it's precisely what we want. Yeah. I mean, I you know, I, you know, for me too. You know, it, I was really moved out at at Yuparinya because you know, for me, it was okay. It's it's uh, I've I'm from Danglemar. There's no other place I'm from. There, uh, there's another place. I don't know where it is. It's where I'm from and. It's something you say, oh, this is so special and so important, obviously to Central Australians, but incredibly important to me to yeah. see it, to see people talking in language, to see, you know, the authenticity of exactly what's there and to say, this has got to be treasured. And that school is one of the mechanisms that does that. Yeah. And to build on exactly what, you know, I, you know, my sort of like political correctness goes out the window if a kid hasn't been fed and is in threat. Is you know is going to be um, in danger, and we all know what that means. That's we all yeah. know exactly what that means. And I used to work uh, more at St Vincent de Paul, and I used to get really angry yeah. when people have these sort of noble ideas that somehow a basketball court's going to going to fix a problem that goes much beyond that, or you know, beautiful words from a parliament and uh, 
you know, um, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, things, some things are really frustrating. I'm going to talk to the, when people say, in some instances, well, we'll go out and talk to the parents. I went, you look at them and say, uh, I'll take you to the house, mate. Yeah. You, you, and I, and I grew up with this. I remember, you know, it's, uh, going at school, I'd go around to mates places and he always amazed me. I thought, how on earth has this fella managed to actually even get himself to school? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. you know, and that's, let's get our priorities right. Number one, let's get, make sure these kids are safe, get formation in, mm. get a process, get hope in. Uh, and there's no document in Canberra that's going to fix that. You, you've got to be a lot more on the ground to get that one fixed. Yeah. Mm. Jacinda, I'll just mm. come back though. You did mm. uh, touch on uh, sharing the wealth of the country. And again, mm. from uh, a very early stage, Aboriginal people have, have not been part of that equation. With you, if you're successful and you get to the Senate, I mean, what is going to be, I mean, even if you, you know, I, I know you've had different um, opinions on The Voice and, and many other things, but again, it's more about an acknowledgement by wider non-Indigenous Australians that Aboriginal people do deserve to have a voice. I mean, they've been here a lot longer than anyone else. Their land was acquired. Uh, there are many discussions around that, we know. But at the end of the day, I think what staggers many Australians is the billions of dollars that comes out of Aboriginal land. I mean, where is that equity going to come and when? Well, I think if... Acknowledging us and or establishing a voice saved a single life, I'd be all for it. I'm more for practical, productive ways forward. In terms of wealth, yes, Indigenous Australians, we, our country has produced some of this, uh, you know, Australia's greatest amount of wealth. And... To be honest, in terms of a disposable income, if you look at, if you compare Aboriginal Australians to the third world countries, we have a, a, an incredible disposable income at our fingertips. But the problem is, um, and the billions and dollars that are invested to uh, advance Indigenous Australians is, it's clearly not being spent wisely. It's not a, it's not for lack of um, money, lack of wealth. Um, when you're an Aboriginal person, you know, my mob don't necessarily completely understand how to best take advantage of a cash economy personally. There's a, this is why education is so important. This is why mm. we as Yapa people have to understand when we're asking our family to give us money, we're taking that money away from them. They need that money. We've got to take care of ourselves. There's, you know, parts of... You know, when, when, when family humbug you for grog, you know, grog money, you, you, you feel really bad to say no. But we have to be able to say no to our own family so we can look after ourselves, feed our own children. We've got to look at the way we do things because there's a better way of being able to do these things. And for me, there is so much more opportunity with, um, with our land and I don't feel like traditional owners are given the opportunity to control their country, to use it for economic benefit in whatever way they choose to do it. I, I, it, it concerns me that the land councils, while they give out royalties money, which dis, you know distracts people, takes them away from their communities, takes kids out of school, people end up spending that money in a flash, it's all gone. 
if they actually were able to invest that money back into community, back into their in ways that's going to help them out long term, we wouldn't see some of the problems that we're faced with. There's other ways of doing things mm. with all that wealth that belongs to us, that comes from our land. You know, people want to start a tourism business on their country. They've got to do Section 19 applications. Sometimes those applications take forever and the opportunities are lost. Uh, you know, even if somebody wanted to start their build a, a butcher or a bakery in their community, start treating, we've got to start thinking of our communities instead like small Australian country towns where we can open up the opportunities. You can be that person providing jobs in your community. But if, we, if people can't access their own country because of Section 19 leases, then it stops them. It stops them from being like other Australian people. Aboriginal people out on community, they don't own their own land, you know. There's our representatives in parliament, Aboriginal representatives, they own their own, sorry, they own their own homes, their own houses, they own them. I stood at the Central Land Council meeting in last year in September, October, and I said, anyone here, do you actually own your own home? No one. I said, let's think about things differently. Why aren't we having these conversations? You know, why, why, why don't we think about, well, what if you had your own little block of land in your country with your home that you in fact own? you know, and, and or, or your shop that you own in your country where you're providing the jobs for your community instead of going, hey, government, bail us out. Government, give us money. Give us money for this. Give us money for that. You're not creating that opportunity for yourself. You're expecting somebody else to fix it up for you. And I've always believed we can solve our own problems. But the tools aren't there yet. We need to make those tools happen. You know, I do get it sometimes frustration if you want to get more aboriginal people in parliament i can do it for you in fact i'm going to tell you i moved the bill to do it in fact i can tell you they didn't even give it debating time you know what you do so your constitution says that there is that the electorate the state will be seen as one electorate for the purpose for the purpose of the senate and that's ex exactly what happens in the territory the whole territory elects two senators right and, um, but you know, you, you know, the interesting part of that in the constitution says until the parliament otherwise decides. So you don't need a referendum. You just need an act of parliament. And that way you could break the states up into regions, six regions, two senators per region. Um, that's your 12 senators. So where do you think that the two senators from, from Cape York would, what do, you, what do you think their ethnicity would be? They'd be Aboriginal people mm. from the Gulf, from Western New South Wales. You know what? Both parties hated it and they wouldn't even give it. I've moved it. Yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't give it debating time. Right. I went up and spoke to a mate of mine, uh, Aboriginal gentleman up north, Richie Armet, who talks to me all the time during question time, says, you're too, you're too deadly, brother. You got that one. <laughs> And he said, this is a great idea. Why don't we do this? I said, because you understand, this wouldn't give you a voice to the parliament. This would give you the voice in parliament. the parliament. Mm. In the parliament. So look it up. They hate it. And you know why they hate it? Because basically 11 out of 12 senators in Western Australia come from Perth. Yeah. 11 out of the 12 senators in South Australia come from Adelaide. And basically, I think it's 11 out of the 12 in Victoria come from Melbourne. 
uh, 11 out of the 12 or maybe it's 10 out of 12 in New South Wales come from Sydney. And they live in offices you can't even find. You won't get past security. Yeah. And if we actually said, well, actually, we're going to have um, two senators for Cape York. And you know what? They'd actually go have to live in Cape York. And they'd be most likely Aboriginal people. And we could do that in the first day back in Parliament. The yeah. first day you could do it. But they won't. No. So, so, so sometimes s- spare me a little bit because you know the other people know what they're up to and they yep. know there's a solution around this and they don't want it. No. Mm. Coal versus gas. Here in the Territory, Beedaloo, uh, the coalition government's pushing. I know you've got a softness for coal going into the future. Yeah, what it is, it's a, it's a softness... Not for, I, I, look, I'm not you know, fascinated with big holes in the ground and black rocks. What I am fascinated in is the money we earn. Because yeah. we got no. See, this, see you've got to be a realist in this game, and that's why some people don't like us. Someone says, oh, we need all this money for NDIS. We need all this money for Social Security. We need all this money for defence. We need all this money for hospitals. We need money for the police. You go, that's all great. Where's it coming from? They go, oh, well, we, but we don't want coal, and we don't want gas, and we don't want live cattle, and we don't want live sheep, and we don't want irrigated cotton. You say, well, you're talking like a child. See, what you're saying is you're telling me all the things you want to stop, but you want to spend more money. You know, it's, it is, there's something childish about that. Like, if you don't want coal, then you've got to tell me where do you want the other cut? Do you know where the other cut's going to come from? And the Greens are the worst at it. They, they want a million new homes, but to shut down virtually every industry in regional Australia. So it's, it's just... You either think we're, f- we're either we're fools, you think we're fools, or you're just a total child. And so when we've got another industry that can earn us $110 billion a year and it's actually operating, sure, let's have the discussion. Superannuation for housing. Where, where do you sit with that? Yeah, it's a great idea. Because look, okay, I've, uh, let's say I've, I've, I've uh, got myself my 5% deposit and I'm a young, young person, so I'm you know, 24 years old, the greatest security I can have is a house. And the greatest motivation you should have is to get yourself into a house. Uh, get that first step. I'm an accountant. I'm telling you, best mistake you can make is get yourself a house. And, um, and well, where are the places I can get the money from? I get the 5% deposit so I can borrow it from the bank and be vulnerable to interest rates and really put a risk over my head. Or I can borrow it, actually don't have to borrow it, I can pay for it myself with some of my super money. Then my super annuation fund has some of my house because it's actually my money, not the superannuation fund's money. It is my money. And, uh, and if, if people had bought um, their house or you know, put the money into a house 10 years ago, they would have done very well, probably better than the share market. And I don't know. I've tried 100 times to... Go out and try and live in some BHP shares. It's just not very comfortable. (laughs) Jacinta, um, the uh, uh, Labor has said uh, if they win government, uh, CDEP will be gone. Where are you sitting? What alternate programs would you see a coalition government maintaining or changing? Well, look, I'd like to see the RSAS program, the Remote Area School Attendance Program, I, I'd like to make that program, make those actually legitimate jobs um, and, and no longer part of, part of you know, CDP, um, but legitimate jobs that provide, um, you know, 
wages uh, and everything that comes with those wages, which is the holiday pay, the sick pay, all of those things. And so the people in communities recognise that, you know, that they're, they're working working a job in their community, which is an important job because it's ensuring the kids get mm. to school um, and get their education, just like we did, with we, we the coalition did with the Ranger program um, and continue to invest in the Ranger program in remote communities. That's what I'm interested in doing when it comes to jobs. So... It's, it's continuing to invest in the Ranger program as well as the RSS, um program, um, turning those into legitimate jobs, but also seriously taking a look at the Land Rights Act and seeing how, um, again, as I mentioned before, giving the opportunity for traditional owners in their country to build, you know, whether it's a bakery or a butcher or a cafe um, and, and run those places themselves and provide jobs within their communities. Because as we know, it's difficult for there to be jobs on communities um, and, and we can't simply just rely on government constantly just to create jobs out of nowhere. And that's obviously paid for by the taxpayer. But if Aboriginal people on communities are given the opportunity to be the creators of jobs, that's the path that I want to go down. Um and also investing, obviously, in, in local government. You know, one of the one of the things that I did with uh, Alice Springs Town Council was um, was was cre- was start a program there um, to support our young people who are getting in trouble with um, in terms of crime, providing them pathways away from crime and away from getting locked up, and into a traineeship or an apprenticeship uh, with a legitimate job within council. Um, and, and as part of that, we also wanted to make sure um, that if we couldn't, if the council couldn't provide that job, that perhaps another organisation in town might come on board, an NGO or something like that might say, listen, we've got a spot here, we can take a young person on and encourage certainly other regional councils to do that. And they're the sorts of things that I'd want to make sure that we invest in as well, because you know, supporting local government is really important. Um, local government knows what's going on the going on on the ground in their communities, knows what the needs are, and have that direct voice to um, federal government as well. So, mm. you know, they're the sorts of things I'm interested in doing, and certainly Damien I know is as well. Him being part of um, previous yeah. Alice Springs Town Council with me, yeah. yeah. Mr. Joyce, final question: uh, uh, Connectivity. I mean, uh, you know, a previous prime minister said uh, Aboriginal people living remotely was a lifestyle choice. I think we've all moved on a little bit from there. Your understanding of why Aboriginal people remain on country, why they should be on country, but more importantly, what would a future coalition government do to improve their lifestyles by connectivity? Okay, well, it's two parts, uh, and I suppose I. Um, I, I, I'm from I'm from Danglemar. Right? I don't. There's not much happening in Danglemar, and across the ha- off across the hills, we're Bonga, which is um, which is where people live, not what people do. So we always <laughs> say, um, um, I've got no intentions of going anywhere else. That's that's my home. Uh, it's where I was born. It's where I was brought up. Uh, it's as soon as I go into that area, I feel that I'm part of it. Um, and you know, I really do. You know, it's where my mum's buried. I can um, I can see my mum's grave out my window. So you know, and and my my great great grandmother was born down the road a hundred years before me. So I belong to Danglemar. 
There's that. And how so, do you feel about your connectivity when you're there with the outside world? And uh, yeah, I've got I've got a track that goes up behind my my hill to a little place where I can get a phone reception. But apart from that, I use satellite down at the house. Um, people always wonder why I do sunrise and I've got such a beautiful view of the hills. Is because that's where I have to go to get reception. Um, it, but we got Bridget McKenzie. We went our negotiation. We got another two billion dollars. Mm. Uh, in an accelerator program, and in that is um, further communications money. We're rolling out mobile phone towers. I mean, okay, I have a plug from my own side. You know, before we got back into government, you know, after the Rudd-Gillard Rudd years, um, they hadn't put a mobile phone tower in. Uh, we did. You know, we've invested billions of dollars in a mobile phone towers, and we've got more to do. You know, and that's the thing. That's why I mean, the Nats. We sit down with a whole heap of regional people. Um, and we work out what's important, and then we go into bat, and then we we carve out these deals, because you know, without the Nats, um, there'd be no coalition government, and and I want that's why I think it's so important for our nation that that you know I'm I, you know, I'm a more fag into my career, but um you know, after 18 years since I was elected, but it's so important that that group of people are there because otherwise you'll get swallowed up by Sydney seats and Melbourne seats. And that's how you drive agendas. I mean, you know, I just, this is always interesting for your leaders. I always go back and I said, let's have a little quiz. Um, so after, after, now Paul Keating, where was that gentleman from? And they always go, Sydney. Very good. And he was replaced, he was Labor. Then he was replaced by a Liberal, John Howard, great Prime Minister. But where was he from? They go, uh, Sydney. Go, uh-huh. I think we're getting this. And then there was Rudd and Gillard. I acknowledge that. One Queensland. And then when they lost, who'd they lose to? And I went, oh, Tony Abbott. And where's he from? Sydney. And then when Tony Abbott lost his job, he was replaced by Turnbull. Where's Turnbull from? Sydney. And then when Turnbull went out, he was replaced by Morrison. Where's Morrison from? Sydney. And if the Labor Party wins the election and Mr Albanese is the Prime Minister, where's Mr Albanese from? Sydney. Okay, there's your politics. It's not so much the party. The party is irrelevant. It's the town. Big old town called Sydney, and it drives the show, and you do not disappear down that rabbit hole because you'll never be seen because your numbers are insignificant. The only way you bargain is you stand aside, say, congratulations, God bless you, absolutely marvellous, you've got all that political power, but you'll have no power unless you've got the Nats um, beside you, and we're going to talk about some other towns apart from Sydney. The Deputy Prime Minister, Barnaby Joyce, and the CLP candidate uh, in the Senate, uh, Jacinda Price, many thanks for joining us. Thank you.